podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Not running your business on NetSuite is like trying to sink a putt with a cap pulled over your eyes. NetSuite by Oracle is the number one cloud financial system, giving you visibility and control of your financials, inventory, budgeting, and more all in one place. 93% of surveyed businesses increase their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. Over 31,000 businesses already use NetSuite. This summer, NetSuite has a special financing program for those ready to upgrade at netsuite.com slash go. netsuite.com slash go. Your instant match reaction for Wolves 3, Everton 0. It was 3-0, wasn't it, lads? I didn't see the last, last few seconds of the game. The 3-0? Mm-hmm. Let's just say it was. Finished 3-0, yeah. Everton lost heavily anyway. Um, <laughs> really disappointing performance. Yeah, we'll get into it now. Uh, Ryan, Mike and Mark join me. Ryan, I'll come to you first because, you know, being Aus-based, you have to get up at silly times to watch these games. Uh, this one was a, a favourable kick-off time for you. I'm actually looking forward to it, having a, you know, having a bevy, chilling out, and then Everton turn in a display like that. Yeah, I should have just stuck to the beers, I think. I'd sat down and had some dinner and polished off a couple of nice, refreshing ales and everything was good and then kickoff happened and then it just slowly <laughs> degraded after that. So, <laughs> yeah, really tough. It's no good, mate. Yeah, I mean, but just I'll come back to you, Ryan. I mean, just, just overall thoughts after that. Um, I think it's comfortably Everton's worst performance since the, the Premier League restarted and just didn't do anything at all well in the game, did they? Yeah, what, I, I, would, I would even say one of their worst performances of the year. I can't think it under Ancelotti if we've had put in anything as bad as that. Um, thoroughly depressing. Like I honestly can't take anything out of that game other than the fact that we're absolutely atrocious. And there needs to be some pretty big things happening in the summer if we're going to be any good anytime soon. It's um, certainly sort of flattened you out a little bit now when you sort of start to get a bit of positivity about Ancelotti and whatnot. And you, you see that performance on the back of Southampton and you're just like, well, where are we? Where, where are we heading at the moment? And I don't have any answers. I, I don't know where we're going right now because there's a lot of questions there and, and no answers. Yeah, I, I put you on the game, Mike. Um, watching Everton's Day reminded me of that, that tweet that Man United put out a few years ago with David Moyes saying, Moyes says Man United need to improve their passing, shooting, defending, crossing. And it was just, it was just a bit like that, wasn't it? When it felt like every single basic of football that you need to be able to do to be functional at this level of a game, Everton just weren't able to do it at all. Yeah, I think functional's the right word to use in relation to this game. I don't think Everton were any better or worse than they were against Spurs. They just the difference was they came up against a team who actually were completely functional in what they wanted to do. Was it? And this is just exactly what we said then of a team full of players who know they're not going to qualify for Europe, who know they're not going to go down. And it's that West Brom thing of, well, what are we doing here? We're going to get less of our holidays anyway. Why am I putting in so much more effort? Et cetera, et cetera. Loads of them know they're not going to, well, you would hope loads of them know they're not going to be there next season. Why am I putting in effort to risk getting injury to then go and get myself a new contract? There's just so many things at play there. But I've just, as I said last week, I can't bring myself to fly off the handle, go all knee-jerk on it, we're going to get relegated, etc., etc. We know there's a big job to do. We've known that since September, October time. And today was a team full of players who we know aren't motivated um, and they're missing their two most competent options in central defence by the time half time rocks around. And they're missing the two most competent players in central midfield, the two areas that we know they need to strengthen. There's not much more we can take out of these sorts of games. It's just we're waiting for the end of the season now and it's quite obvious the players are just doing the same. 
you do think that the the nature of the season is acting as a safety net for Everton at the moment because all of the all of the terrible things that we're seeing. Part of me thinks, okay, you, you do allow for a little bit of of how lockdown has affected the season and for a team like Everton who have obviously got nothing to play for which is apparent by looking at the body language of every single person in the club at the moment it you do think that a lot of these problems were were pre-existing anyway um I know that people referenced on Sky today about the job that Ancelotti did when he came in and, and it was clearly an upturn but when you look at performances like we have done for the last three games, it, it's very apparent that there's only so much you can do with the, the flawed tools that are available at the moment. I think that the massive concern for me at the moment is that I think if you were going to use these games for anything towards the back end of the season, you A, want to learn something about your squad. Um, I think we've learned enough now about the types of players that we've spoken about in recent podcasts, about the, the people who, as Mike referenced, we hope aren't here in the future. But we're, we're actually learning very little about the players who have that element of intrigue about them. And, and when we do see people like Anthony Gordon, at least, I, I saw an Everton player, they were half-turned today and run at the back four. I, I can buy into those small moments of positivity, but when I have to see Tom Davis and Gilfie Sigurdsson going sideways, almost passing down the tunnel at one stage, <laughs> I just thought, what, what is the point to this? And I, I think, just to go back to the body language of the players, I don't, I don't think any football team in this league at the moment looks less asked about finishing this season than we do. The players are absolutely begging for this season to end. And I think the fans will all agree dead ready for that to happen. Yeah. I think you, you still expect a sort of baseline though, don't you, Ryan? And, you know, there were the players that just, you know, it wasn't even just, it was sort of twofold to me today in, in that regard. It was it was players who didn't look fussed and looked like they wanted the, the season to end, but it was just, like I sort of went on, said it before, it was just the basic things you expect footballers to do technically on, the, you know, passing the ball, running with the ball, Jordan Pickford catching the ball, like those sorts of things just completely broke down. I mean, Mark got a hands here, Mike's challenge on a pie, it's, it's, it's escalating. It's a, it's a um, fudge and Biscoff blondie. It's amazing. Okay, <laughs> well, we'll get on to that later. Um, but yeah, just... Yeah. Just, I mean, and you sort of you look at the game, and you know, the first half, Ryan Everton are just going through the motions a bit. Wolves aren't playing particularly well either. Um, and then it's it's again, it's, it's a really bad decision by Luca Dean, isn't it? To just charge in, and I know there's there's chat about whether it's a penalty or not, whether he touched them, but you've got to expect better for someone with that experience in that situation there. Yeah, hundred percent. And I think if that was going the other way, we'd be calling for a penalty as yeah as well. The question would be if that's Richarlison in the box, does, do we get that penalty? And I'd probably argue that we probably don't. But um, I, I didn't have any qualms about the penalty as such in, in, in any case. But you talk, talk about, you know, the basics. And the, the most disappointing thing is it's the usual suspects that just aren't bringing anything to the team. And, you know, you only need to see Everton Twitter to know exactly who they are. But, you know, Gilfie Sigurdsson running around just flapping his arms about, doesn't want to take responsibility, doesn't want to play a forward pass. Tom Davies, who can't complete a pass, and when he does try something, it just doesn't come off. You know, we had players falling over left, right, and centre. You know, they were losing their feet everywhere they went. Um, Jordan Pickford sticking his tongue out after nearly throwing the ball into his own net. Oh, we'll go like it's, don't worry. Yeah. It's, it, the, the annoying thing is it's the same stories over and over and over and over and over again. 
and it just doesn't get fixed. And I think that's where the frustration comes is that the same players doing the same things every time. And it's, it's been like that for years now. I think if, if you were to pick out the, the stereotypical complaint that you'd have against any one of those players today, you saw it. It was like they went to their go-to West inner selves yeah. all collectively yeah. at the same time. But uh, just to harp back to the original point, if, if you do that like they did against Spurs, you expect over the next two or three weeks that at least half of those lads will pick themselves up and start to iron out some of those flaws. Um, I know that you mentioned about players that, that are popular hate figures on Everton Twitter, but it, it is very close to the point now whereby they are all in that same boat together. Uh, I, I could go through the entire 11 today and, and pick out a one individual moment of madness, but also just the collective level of meh that, that they all seem to have to this, to this sport at the moment. It's just, it, it's really, really difficult to, to see the light at the end of the tunnel. But I think the thing that we, the thing that we grasp onto at the moment is the fact that we are nearly there in terms of completing this. And the, the kind of inner level of faith that we, rightly or wrongly, have in Carlo Ancelotti to solve what is now an escalating massive task in the summer. Yeah, um, really difficult in that sense. So obviously, Mike thing got worse for Everton. Um, obviously, Yeri Mina went down injured in the first half. Um, like I said, he, he got brought off. Uh, Brantway comes on and like Schaefer, you know, the lad didn't have his best introduction to the Premier League football, did he? Making that mistake and then with the foul and then losing his man. But it was us guys sports actually put a tweet out digging him out, which I thought was a bit harsh on an 18 year old lad. But um, yeah. just dead, dead tough situation for someone like him to come in. And you know, it's really hard on players like that, isn't it? Because you sort of go back to when we had Sam Allardyce in charge and that sort of thing, and we were the team were losing and struggling, and we had to bed young players in, and it can knock them back. So, so I know we all want to see young players in the side at the moment. We want to see different things, but I suppose that's sort of a, a reminder of why sometimes it's probably not best to just throw these lads in. Yeah, definitely. Again, especially against the most competent forward line that Everton have faced for a long time and will face for a long time to come. Just harsh on him, to be honest with you. But if there's any way you can be introduced to Everton, then there you go, mate. That, that, that's it. Like... You're going to give away a free kick 10 seconds into the half. Free kick is then going to get lumped in to where you are stood. You're going to lose your man a little bit, who's about half a foot shorter than you, and he's going to score. There you go. Welcome. Come on in. Give us your coat. Enjoy it. Let it feed I'd, on I'd you. Rather Just... him, I'd rather him have that moment than, than bring Seamus Coleman on after half an hour because we've got an injury. And I know, I know, it's, I know it's brutal for him. But if, if you're going to be a player for Everton, and, and absolutely, if you're going to be a defender for Everton, those things are going to happen a lot. And yeah. as as harsh as it is, you just he needs to buy into the misery that is ahead of him. <laughs> if if there's ever been a spell of professional sport available for him to learn those things with the pressure kind of off, then. I'm happy for him to at least get some form of involvement. Yeah, it's just at the end of the day, it gets dark. And this is one of them games that we've all just got to sit there and we've got to look at and know that there are so many players in that side who had no intention of being there today. And you just got to look at Gilfie Sigurdsson. I've said it before, say it again. 
that fella has no motivation to play football anymore. What's his, what is his motivating factor now at this point? Like, um, Mike, doesn't he? That's another weird thing. Well, who, who else is meant to at this point? But that, that's a situation that Everton are in now because of very, very poor recruitment, especially in midfield. But that goes back years. We've had this discussion month after month after month when Sigurdsson puts in one of these performances, his signing set Everton back years and years because there's no way you can bring in someone on his wages that is actually going to do the job that he is there to do without getting rid of him first. No one's going to buy him. Like it, that, It's just that catch-22 situation that Everton are stuck in until he leaves the football club. And unfortunately, he knows that. He's well aware of it. So... While we can all sit yesterday and have a laugh and a joke at Gareth Bale putting his feet up on the bench at Real Madrid, being like, yeah, sound. That's what Sigurdsson is doing. The difference is Real Madrid have lots and lots and lots of very good footballers who they can play instead and can take the hit of having the 500k a week fella sat on the bench. Everton can't do that. This this fella was the marquee signing. Don't forget that of all of the signings, this He's was the one. Signing, isn't he? Well, that's it. This was the one that was supposed to be, there's your big game player. He's not only not a big game player, he's not a player. He just doesn't do anything. There is not a thing that you look at and go, all right, that's what Gilfie Sigurdsson is bringing. He made a tackle today. And I think everyone kind of went, bloody <laughs> hell, he's made a tackle. Like, it was, it's just, it's getting to that point where it's so ridiculous. But what, who are you meant to have a go at? There's no point having a go at Sigurdsson because you know what? He's in his 30s. He's probably knackered. He's had quite a long career and he knows he's never going to win anything. He's never going to get to a higher level. He's just eking out the last few days on his massive contract before then he goes, yeah, fine, I'll go into coaching or do something else. Fine, good luck to you. He's got no attachment to Everton. Why would he? It's just one of those things. You can't have a go at the manager because you're like, literally, who else can he pick? There are, You have Gabamon injured. You have Gomez injured who's been... Awful anyway. You've got Tom Davies there. You've got Delph injured. Benny Beningami, who's been injured and playing at a poorer level for a long time. Dennis Adnira, who's never had a loan, so we don't really know how good he is in men's football anyway. What else is he meant to do? Whereas we're all sat here in this Groundhog Day situation of moaning about it again. And yeah, that's all we can do. And it's frustrating. And that's the killer thing for us, I think, because we sat here months ago. We sat here last season. We sat here weeks ago. We sat here last week. Had the same conversation and it's about fixing that. And it's almost like we're all sat here going, bloody hell, three more games to go. And the players are doing the same thing. It's like everyone's just like, can we just end it now? And you've just got to hope that the end of this season does come with, do you know what, at least there's got to be some sort of bone thrown out by Everton with regards to what is going to happen at the end of the season, whether it is players. What was that? In what sense do you mean? Like, well, is it briefing the press saying we're going to sign someone or something? Or? Well, they, they, the idea of players they're interested in, that sort of thing. There's got to be something because this next couple of weeks, it's going to be tough going. It is going to be tough because... All three of the teams we play will probably have something to play for, unless Bournemouth are already relegated on the last day. In which case, that could be genuinely a contender for worst game of football ever in the world, ever. But the two before that, make no mistake, Sheffield United, that could be genuinely embarrassing for Everton. Like, just look at Chelsea going there yesterday and getting turned over. Like, 
that's another thing that we do have to take into account with this. And I am going on a little bit and I am sorry. But one thing that we do have to take into account with all this is the context that comes with the restart. These fellas are all probably knackered and probably quite fed up. As you would be in that situation. This isn't what they planned for. Most of them probably had quite nice holidays booked right now. Most of them were probably thinking about winning European championships or going away on those sorts of things. They probably weren't thinking they were going to be stuck in Wolverhampton on a Sunday, on a what day is it? Saturday on right. a Saturday Sunday. playing at half twelve. It is Sunday. Like, it's Sunday. Whatever. They don't care. <laughs> but you know, didn't think they'd be there half twelve there when he thought he'd probably be in the Bahamas or somewhere else. That's where Gilfie Sigurdsson thought he'd be. Let's be honest. And you've got to add that context in that Everton are not the only team right now who have either A, completely phoned it in, because this is the first game we've properly phoned in, or B, have just been absolutely obliterated out of sight. I think every single team in the bottom half has had a game like that so far. Mm. You look just all around the place. The results are just, they are, the close games are just few and far between. Once a team gets ahead, the other one kind of goes, yeah, okay, fair enough. And then just shuts down. And if the other team wants to carry on and score a few more goals, normally they can. And it's just, it's crap to watch. It's frustrating, but that's where we are now. Hmm. I think Mike's being a bit too, I know what you're saying, but, but I think you may be being a bit too kind on a lot of them there. I just think you've got to, I think you've got to wait. Don't, don't, don't get me wrong completely. There are a lot of them that are complete and utter shitbags who you do need to look at and say, you have no intention of, wanting to even motivate the manager to keep you here because you know that the contract's so big that there's no one going to get rid of you. Like, there are so many that do need digging out and there are so many questions about the entire system, but it's stuff that we've known about all along. But there is some sense of bouncing out that we do got to throw out there, whether it like being the fact that our best midfielder and centre-half is out injured, be that Mason Holgate doing both or someone like Gabamon or whoever, just someone who does competent jobs but there's so much that we do need to weigh in with the sort of knee-jerk. We are definitely going to get relegated next season, and this is a disaster that's sort of going around. Hmm. I think that the other thing as well, Ryan, you know, we spoke about the midfield, <laughs> like Mike said, it's, there's no real point going over it again because it's very much groundhog day. Yeah, the defence was poor today, but as an attacking entity, Everton have been virtually non-existent aside from a, a world-class pass and a great finish from Richarlison against Southampton. And you know, the front two lads look absolutely cooked. You know, they seem as though they're both knackered from the exploits of this season. Um, the, in the wide areas as well, there's just no consistency for many of the players. It's, it's hard lines going forward, isn't it, as well? And, you know, one of the, the stats that was doing the rounds today, we were speaking about before we hit record there, was that Everton had one touch in the opposition box inside the first hour of the game today, which... Is the worst? Was, was it the worst in the Premier League this season, Mark? Was it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but as an attacking force, we're really blunted as well, aren't we? Yeah, absolutely. And I think I was talking before we started recording. But if that was a performance under Sam Allardyce, we'd all be burning down Goodison Park at the moment and <laughs> talking about how pathetic it was. But um, you're right. I mean, the holes are just so glaring now. I mean, we, we've signed wingers and they've got no creativity, and we've been feeding off DCL and and Rich Allison all season and. We, you know, when they're playing th- two times a week, three times in nine days or whatever it turns out to be, well, of course they're going to be stuck. They've had a, a couple months off and they've carried the line for the whole season. It's, it's to be expected that we get to this point of the year and they're running on fumes. So, um, And the answers just don't seem to be in the squad. Alex Awobi comes on non-existent. Bernard comes on non-existent. Anthony Gordon, 18-year-old, played all right, got subbed off, don't know why, but, you know... May as well have used him for 90 minutes anyway. 
um, but the problems are there and the solutions aren't there, I don't think, in, in the squad. I, I don't see a creative player in a Wobi on the right-hand side that can do anything for us. I think Bernard's numbers are stamped in the squad. Um, Theo Walcott, well, you know, Theo's Theo. Um, did, did, I just can't see any answers in, in what we've got at the moment unless there's some sort of change in system that, that starts to find that creativity, but I just can't see it. It's a good point you make about the substitutes there because I think if, the, if there was ever a game today whereby, yes, you were coming on as a change, but there's absolutely no way that you could make the situation worse because the players out on the pitch were that bad. And for people like Bernard and Awobi to come on, and Moise Keane to an extent who was incredibly quiet again, and to just fit straight into that mould of apathy that a lot of the other players had, I thought it, it says a lot about team spirit that I, I found myself in the, the Southampton game last weekend and again today. You look around the squad to think, well, do you know what? This is going really badly. We're going in at 1-0 down or we've just conceded another one early in the second half. Who is that guy who's going to pick everyone else up around them? And I'm not necessarily saying that someone has to say words to gain us a point. That might, that, that might have long sailed, especially at 3-0 today. But who is the man who galvanises those other players to try and build on something collectively? Even if it was just a, a mentality thing, Joe, let, let's have a good 25 minutes at the end of this game because we've still got three games to play. We're still trying to get to this next level, this phrase that keeps getting used about Everton, even though they are barely at the level that they are currently at. We look miles off. And yes, there is there is technical aspects about the players that we've got and, and their insufficiencies. But the, the decade-old story of Everton is that most of the, the problems are mental. And the, the way that we conduct ourselves on the pitch is not one of a football side that is going to win anything, especially in terms of trophies or, or any form of relevance in the Premier League. But... Winning football matches, winning corners, it, it just looks really, really tiresome for them at the moment. Watching Everton try and progress the ball up the pitch is the most laborious task I could ever think to do in my free time. I'm not joking when I said that putting five or six passes together in the opposition half probably has only happened half a dozen times in the last three games. There's no form of style of play. I think. What Ancelotti's trying to do at the moment is set his side out in a totally different way in every game, purely to limit the opposition's threat. And that is clearly not working. But at the same time, what you do when you set up that sort of agenda in each game is that you kind of abandon your own team's style of play. Everything is about how do we limit Adama Traore, Raul Jimenez, whoever it may be. And very quickly... 217 minutes of football has gone past and you've actually learned very little about what Everton are going to be in terms of their own style of play. If you're going to strip that down to an individual basis, I mean, I saw people making comments online during the game that Gilfie Sigurdsson, Tom Davis, they look like fans who've won a competition for a run-out. As an Everton fan, I was quite offended by that because I thought <laughs> I'd, I'm pretty confident that I wouldn't churn out some of the stuff that we've seen today, but... The, the list of problems are endless at the moment. And the, the task in the summer just concerningly gets bigger and bigger with every kick of a football from someone in an Everton shirt. 
Yeah. Um, one player I did want to finish off by, by speaking about his game, but we'll get into the, the actual performance of the game a little bit more in the week, um, on weekly and subs weekly. But um, Jordan, Jordan Pickford, Mike, has angered a lot of people with his mistake and his, his reaction to the mistake. Uh, obviously, he should have probably saved um, Jota's shot as well for the, for the third goal. That's at his near post, albeit a well-struck effort. Um, he's probably got... We haven't really spoken about Pickford much since the restart. He's not really had much to do, but... He had a really poor game today, dropping the ball, uh, the one that's going through his legs. And, and overall, since the, the lockdown was lifted, he's been a little bit ropey, a little bit erratic. And that that gesture of him sticking his tongue out today, I mean, listen, it's, it's an in, it's instinctive thing. It's an emotion that happens out on the pitch. But I think, for me, looking at it, it's, it's sort of, it reeks of a fellow who doesn't take these mistakes seriously and isn't serious about getting better as a goalkeeper because... We've seen it with him so many times now. We've seen whenever he's questioned about his form and criticised by his form, he goes on the defensive. Um, and it wasn't a good look for him really today when he, when he stuck his tongue out and had a bit of a cheeky grin after he made that error. Um, it doesn't wrangle with me that much, to be honest with you. I used to play sports when I was in school quite a lot. I was in a lot of our sports team because I was good at those sort of <laughs> I was like, no, I'm only messing. Um, and there was a lad that used to play in the team with us. And he was quite good. He was decent. His confidence in his ability. But any time he did anything wrong at all, like playing football, like he'd like, kick the ball out or like miss an easy chance or playing cricket, he'd like just slice away slice away the ball instead of cutting it properly, those sorts of things. He'd always like hold his arm or hold his leg, like just there's a little twinge there or something. And that was his just thing of just being like, yeah, you're just going to bat it off and get on. And it's just, for me, that's what Pickford does as well, where it's just, that's his coping mechanism of when he makes a mistake. And do you know what? It depends, isn't it? It's, you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't with him because don't forget, we criticised Jaggy Elka for years for looking like the weakest man on the football pitch whenever absolutely anything happened and his head just goes down. Like, and You can't have it the other way as well of being like just trying to get on with it and make a joke out of it because it's just the way he does it. The actual thing doesn't bother me. It's the mistakes that bother me in the first place. I don't really mind how he's going to instinctively react to them in his own brain. I'm sure, like any competent professional footballer, he, he must go away and analyse it. Like, it's not on him solely to go and do that. But the actual mistakes are just, they're racking, they're racking up now, aren't they? There was a couple against Leicester, a couple of weird bits against Spurs without really any clinical mistakes. But then today, there's a couple that you just, and that's suddenly, it's like two a game, two a game, two a game, and you get to the point where, him dropping the ball between his legs seems to be a bit routine now, which is a bit worrying. Those sorts of things are all cleanly. It's always like, it always like he always pats it down or it always squirms away and he's got to jump on it or something. Like, he never just comes out and catches the ball and just that's it. It's always like bobbling around. It's, it's, I, I imagine for a defender, he must be a bit of a nightmare to play in front of, to be honest, because he must have you on edge all the time. Yeah, absolutely. Must do. And it's another one of those things that we've known about it for months like this isn't something that's just come on overnight but it's something that's going to need to be resolved one way or the other like let's be honest it's not going to be this summer unless some club is stupid enough to come in and spend 50 million pounds on him which is not going to happen unless Chelsea needs some homegrown quota players desperately 
like those sorts of things just are not going to happen. But we've spoken about the need for Everton to buy a midfielder, the need for Everton to buy a right winger, the need for Everton to buy a centre half, and you could go through every single position and really pinpoint a need in some area, apart from probably centre forward at the moment. It's just Pickford's just adding to that long list, but I don't think his reactions and his instinctive reactions to the mistakes that he makes in the moment are really worth us being that worked up about. What is being worked up about is just the amount of mistakes that are being made now. What do you think, Ryan? I think the most concerning part is his regression since he signed. I mean, he was brilliant in that first year, but he slowly and slowly declined. And now it's becoming a more regular thing. And I think the thing that infuriates the fans is that they see him regressing so quickly and the, the issues that are becoming so clear for everyone to see. And when he has them, then he starts sticking his tongue out and, and hamming it up and showing that flair. And you just kind of think, well, get the basics right first, mate, and, and then show a bit of flair. If, if he was doing everything competently and that happens and it squirms through and he sticks his tongue out, so be it. But when you're consistently seeing it and then those things start to add up, I can see the frustration. It it grinded my gears when I saw it, I must say. And, yeah, um, I just... Yeah, if you if you cop those things occasionally, I think you can you can deal with his flair in that personality and that eccentricness. But when it's happening too regularly, I think you just need to sort of batten down the hatches and and get yourself sorted first before you start doing that sort of stuff. I think when you sign someone like Jordan Pickford, you you have to appreciate what you're buying into, uh, and, and part of the part of the aspect of him as a goalkeeper is that that eccentricity and that personality, and and we all know that. I think, as, as Ryan said, even if you're not going to talk about regression, the, the fact that he's not able to, A, pick up on the fact that he's making individual errors consistently and work on them, but also it's the attitude that goes with it. it I'll, I'll admit that it's not something that's ever bothered me with Pickford because you, you do have to appreciate the, the style of the man that, that he is. Um, but as time goes by, if you don't see someone proactively trying to improve on that, I'm not asking him to change his entire character. We, we like the, the confidence that he has and, and it works very much in our favour a lot of the time. But you only have to ask someone like John Jones about the If you take a semi-comical nature to your own error-making in front of a group of Evertonians, it doesn't really end well. Uh, and, and that's not to say that we're all right and he's wrong, but Unfortunately, he, he is Everton's player and, and we, we need to see some form of appreciation from him about how Everton fans and I assume coaching staff view his attitude to his own improvement. And I think when, when you aren't able... I think the, the irony of someone like Pickford and the thing that irks me most is that you, you get that level of personality from him when he's made an error. But... As much as we talk about him being a, a communicator at the back for someone who is so young, I very rarely see him making what I can buy into as productive comments to his defence. If the ball goes out for a corner or a throw-in and Everton under the cosh, he is very much a, a silent goalkeeper and, and tries to flip back into that lead-by-example mode. He's not, he's not an organiser, at least verbally, at the back. And I think if, if he was able to channel a lot of that energy into more productive output, I think we'd all see him as a more mature focus of this squad. At the moment, it, it is all a little bit childish. And as much as that's quite fun for the first couple of years, as with most, most things at Everton now, I think we're all just bored of it. 
Yeah, absolutely amazed. Couldn't agree more with that. Um, we are very much out of time today on this instant match reaction. Uh, thanks very much to Mark, to Ryan, and Mike for joining me. Uh, cheers for staying up late there, Ryan. Appreciate it. Um, fingers crossed next time we get you on one of these, it's after the, after the better result. But uh, yeah, that's been your instant, instant match reaction for Wolves 3, Everton Dale. Do check out the rest of the contest in the Blue Room this week. Uh, we'll be looking at this game in a bit more detail and ahead to the upcoming matches as well. Um, but like Mike said, I think at the start of it, we're all quite looking forward to the season coming to an end and maybe having some transfers to talk about instead. But uh, appreciate taking the time out to listen to this. Thanks to the lads again. Uh, we'll speak to you very soon. Grand Canyon University, a Christian university, is one of the largest and fastest growing universities in the country, offering over 250 engaging programs online. Praised for its culture of community, students engage with faculty and connect with counselors who take a personalized approach for your success. GCU's online students received over $144 million in scholarships in 2021. Visit gcu.edu slash myoffer to see the scholarships you qualify for. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Sports Social Podcast Network.